Alright, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Oh my god, I smell shenanigan! I have no idea what's going on, but I am excited! Yeah, baby, yeah! Ever dance with the devil in the pale Inconceivable! Cowabunga! I thought this was a party! It's two Moskis and a podcast. With Eric and Jeff. I don't fall. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you got to well, set the mood. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, you don't want to, uh, you know, I don't think it's a good idea to genetically alter sharks to find a cure for Alzheimer's because then you get, you get this. <laughs> Welcome to two nerds. Ah, motherfucker. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. It's another fine installment of two nerds keys in a podcast with Eric. And that's Jeff who just burped. So, Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the show. Um, In all seriousness, though, um, we start today actually kind of on a kind of on a uh, somber note. Um, Yeah. So uh, you take over the reins for this one. So uh, on the day that we are recording this uh, just hours ago, uh, it was reported that actor uh, Michael K. Williams, unfortunately, passed away. And uh, I mostly knew him from Boardwalk Empire, who uh, uh, in that show, he played uh, gangster Chalky White. And throughout that entire series, he was in fucking credible. He had such a. He had such a great gravitas and he had such a good voice. And whenever he would deliver monologues, it uh, you couldn't take your eyes off him. He had such a a magnetic presence to him and and uh like i know he's uh really well known for for the wire i i still haven't seen the wire but i, I really want to check that out someday uh and actually just learned uh i've been watching f is for family and uh just learned that he was uh uh he was like this really fucking funny character on on that show so i feel like that's just another example of what great range that he he had as an actor and I'm not going to say um, I mean it's hard for me to say because uh, I'm still discovering his his work so I I don't know if he could really be, be classified as an underrated talent but I personally didn't hear him get much credit uh, beyond you know a select few roles and I thought everything I've seen him in has just been incredible and it's it's a really sad loss and i uh i hope that i hope that more people discover his work as as time goes on and uh we're able to look back on the uh, uh on the great body of work that, that he left behind so mr williams rest in peace sir indeed indeed big cauldron of win indeed um um, I, I, I didn't get too much into Michael K. Williams's work. Um, but I do remember him from one, um, ballad that I never thought, um, I'd be talking about here, but, um, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a messed up thing now when you were thinking about retrospect, but, um, R. Kelly's trapped in the closet. Um, so ballad 
musical soap opera was definitely something that uh, a lot of people today would be like, eh, that, that probably hasn't aged well. But, um, you know, Michael K. Williams plays a cop in um, in the soap opera. And, uh, you know, obviously it's very comical, the whole entire ballad itself. But like, you know, he plays a He plays the cop that's sleeping with R. Kelly's uh, wife um, or just girlfriend or what girlfriend. Um, and I just remember him like, you know, like he had some really comical moments in the entire thing. And um, the other thing I always, you know, you could, you, you knew who Michael K. Williams was because of um, he had, didn't he have like a very distinct, like facial scar on his face? Like, cause it kind of stretched out. It really stood out. I noticed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually I always, I always thought, uh, you know, cause primarily I know him from boardwalk empire and I, mm-hmm. I just, I just thought that was part of his character, but yeah, no, if, if he, ha- if he actually had that, has that scar, then damn. Yeah. I mean, I've never, I mean, I know Jeff has been hammering at me to watch boardwalk empire for quite a long time. <laughs> um, but I, I know I, I do remember hearing that he was in the wire. Um, I don't remember where I can watch the wire, but you know, I've, I've always heard from other people like by all intents and purposes, one of the best crime dramas ever made. And it's like right up there with breaking bad, apparently. Um, I mean, I, so I, I, be, I imagine, I imagine you can watch it on HBO max. Is it, was it an HBO show? I don't remember. I, I don't call like, it was or not. I'm like 80% positive. It was, I'll have to look it up later. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I definitely remember, I, I don't really, yeah, I don't really remember much aside from what I saw in um, the Trapped in the Closet series, but, you know, he definitely looked like he had an interesting presence to him. Maybe I saw him in a couple things here and there, um, but yeah, I'd be, I'd be down to watch more of his work, so I know, I know I'm not saying, I know it doesn't sound like I'm saying much, but like, I, I it's not that I'm not disinterested in him, I just haven't seen as much of his work much like jeff but um we're similar to jeff but yeah i i'd be very curious to see some of his work and also like you know the wire and boardwalk empire like two shows that you know everyone's been telling me i should watch and you know it's not opposed i'm not opposed to watching them i just like have like a whole billion other things that i watch um like resilient isles (laughs) um but that's neither here nor there but yeah um again massive cauldron of wind to um michael k williams indeed a man that will be missed so actually uh did you know that he was originally cast as paul bettany's character in solo but he uh he, he couldn't come back for the reshoots because he had, i think he was committed to another project so he got replaced by bettany um did you say the movie is called solo oh oh wait Oh, you mean I, I had it took me a while to realize what you're talking about. So really, he was originally going to be in the Han Solo origin story. Yes, yes, he was. And a wise choice. Uh, yeah, it uh, probably worked out better for him in uh, in the long run. <laughs> uh, yeah, because like I don't I I so um, Jeff thinks that Rise of Skywalker is the worst Star Wars movie ever made. Because I it. say it's so I say it's solo because that movie is absolutely unnecessary. I, no one gives a fuck about I the beginnings I of Han Solo. Sleep during that movie. <laughs> See, that's my point. Who gives a fuck about the origins of Han Solo? That's what makes him cool. You, no, it, you it's just a, believe it's not even or, it's not even an origin story on Han Solo. It's an origin story about how he got his fucking accessories. 
Yeah. I, again, it's again. It, who gives a fuck? It's all about what's more important is just like Han Solo is cool and he's not a fucking bitch. <laughs> That's no right. one That's calls Han Solo a bitch. Exactly. Goals and our fanboys review. That's last week, by the way. So, anyways, today we are talking about Deep Blue Sea. The classic 1999 yeah. shark movie. Yes, it's it is a bundle of fun. Let's put it that way. I, but, um, oh yeah, I'm just gonna come out and say it. I love this goddamn movie. <laughs> it's fucking great. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously, it's. It, I think they know what they're making with it, but you know, like you can suspend your disbelief into thinking, like, yeah, this it's it's a fucking shark movie. Well, it's a it's a shark movie where like a shark gets blown up by a, an oven. <laughs> you ate my bird. <laughs> you ate my bird, so I'm gonna blow you the fuck up. <laughs> so, do you uh, do you have any uh, personal history with with this movie? So, no, um, unfortunately, I don't. I mean, all I, I mean, I think I came across the I came across like the the DVD or the DVD or VH, VHS at like um at uh blockbuster back in the day i just remember seeing that image of saffron burrows about to be trying to swim away from a giant megalodon like shark obviously the sharks are not that huge but it's just like i don't know it was a hot i just remember it was a beautiful saffron burrows you know i see a hot i see a beautiful hot woman in uh in a skimpy like a swim outfit with her hair wet and i'm like huh and then I think, and then, you know, shark in the background. I'm like, I don't think much about the shark in the background. And that's about it. And of course, you know, everyone talks about this movie uh, left and right. Not all the time, but like, I just remember um, the only thing I had really seen from Deep Blue Sea was, uh, we'll talk about it later, but Sam Jackson's defining Oscar moment, if you will. Goddamn right. <laughs> but, so, um, uh, so this is actually a very nostalgic movie for me. I, I uh, it is. Uh, so pretty, so kind of like a similar introduction. Uh, I remember walking around the aisles of the video store and the cover just immediately caught my interest, you know, cause around that point, like I've already seen jaws a ton of times. So anything, uh, anything with sharks, I, I, I had to check that shit out. And uh, it took a little convincing because it was rated R, and but eventually, uh, probably just because I annoyed the shit out of my parents. I'm I'm sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> and eventually, they let me rent it, and I lost my fucking mind. I thought it was uh, I thought it was so it was so cool. It was so gory, and it's uh, it was it was actually one of the first really bloody movies that I ever saw. So it was kind of one of my gateways into getting an idea for what bloody horror could uh, it uh, kind of had to offer. And it uh, so eventually I I think I was like nine or ten when I uh, when I was able to finally get my own copy from Dimple. Rest in peace, Dimple. I and that place. I watched I watched it so many fucking times and. And I, I just I had a blast with it every time. And I kind of went through like a like an eight or so year period where I didn't watch it. Uh, you know, like like my feelings didn't really change on it. You know, I, I just remember it being one of those cool movies that I, I watched when I was younger. And uh, so honestly, I was really curious how it would hold up because 
last time I saw it, I was I was probably like a, a young teenager. So a decent amount of time has passed and I was excited to get, you know, a, a fresh adult perspective on it. And goddamn, this movie is still a lot of fun. I actually probably enjoy it even more so uh, than I then did as a kid. There's definitely it's it has some elements where it's pr- I mean, I would say probably the worst aspect of it is the CGI and the uh, I, I, I even remember as a kid not uh, being too impressed with the CGI. Uh, it always just looked a little off to me, but. One of the things I have to absolutely mention, I forgot how fucking amazing the practical effects in this movie are. Yeah, that's the surprising thing about this, isn't it? That like, you know, those are some of the best animatronics I've ever seen, honestly. I mean, it really they really blow not to not to really not to shit on Jaws because Jaws is great. But like, let's be honest, you know, Bruce the shark was an absolute technical technological nightmare by this point you know technology and animatronics had advanced to the point where you can get better sharks like this oh yeah um, in deep blue sea and well, so like, i was well, very surprised by the quality of the practical and animatronics effects oh yeah in this. oh yeah me too because it's like the way that the the way that the the gills move up and down when it's breathing mm-hmm. the uh the way that they uh the way that they they move and flop around like that uh there's one of those early scenes where they have the shark in uh in like a net above the water and the way it's just thrashing around. It looks so fucking good. Yeah, I almost I almost thought that was a real shark at first. I, I did too, honestly. Yeah. And when you have uh when you have Thomas Jane riding on the back of these animatronic sharks, it looks so goddamn good. Like yeah, this, I mean, like, like I don't think this movie gets enough credit for for what for for how good the practical effects are. So well, then that, that brings up so that brings up you know before we get into you know the full movie proper, like brings up another point because like over the years I've heard that this movie is considered like one of those so bad it's good movies, and you know when I when I sat down to watch it, I was really expecting it. I was really expecting myself to just like laugh the entire time of the movie just by how ridiculously bad it is. No, like it's there's like surprisingly good, like great quality to it. Like yeah, no, it's there's like legit. It's a legit like good movie. Like there's like not only are the practicals good, but you know the acting's like on point. Sure, some of the science, technological warble, <laughs> whatnot is like flies over your head. But like you know the characters, you know you actually have some engaging characters. Um, obviously Sam Jackson. Uh, Saffron Burroughs and Thomas Jane come to mind. Even LL Cool J. By the way, I think LL, LL Cool J. I liked him more than any other character in the entire movie. I'm just so going to say I, that so right actually, now. LL, so actually, LL Cool J's casting was a studio decision. And oh, really? I, I would say like more than nine times out of ten, a studio decision is sometimes the worst element of a movie. But in this case, LL Cool J is fucking great in this movie. Like his uh, his comedic timing is uh, is really on point. I love the some of the funny banter he has with uh, with Michael Rappaport, and uh, and honestly, like I, I, I the scene, the kitchen scene is wonderful. <laughs> well, you know that goes to show that goes to show that like because so uh, you know I I've seen LL Cool J and other stuff mainly of course NCIS los angeles but like you know that's just only like one thing i've seen him in but like you know he is he is a talent he's a good actor he really is you know i haven't seen him in too much other stuff outside of this 
and NCIS Los NCIS Los Angeles. But you know, he's like, great. He's also really good in Halloween H two O. Oh, is he in that movie too? Yes, he is. Oh, interesting. Okay, remind me. Uh, remind me. Are is that going to be? Well, no. Don't surp- No, don't tell me because I want to be surprised by what we're going to be watching on October. Damn straight. Okay, sounds good. But no, in all seriousness, I I was surprised by how much good quality there actually is in Deep Blue Sea. So let's let's just jump right into it then, and let's let's start with you know that um that opening where like you think you know the dumbass the dumbass uh lovers on the water on the boat that like you all think they're going to die, but like what starts it with it is like you know you see the shark burst through the uh, well I guess starting with it you like you see the glimpses of like the water like peeking up and down and then you see the lovers and everything you see like something knocks the radio off the boat and into the water um and then you see something you see that something's bursting through the boat and then you see it's a shark and then like the shark bursts through enough so that you know everyone falls off the boat and you think everyone you you really think you're about to see a really bloody massacre but no the shark gets harpooned by Thomas Jane and you by the way already Side note, Thomas Shane is one of the most underrated fucking leading men ever. I mean, if you want further proof, watch the the 2004 Punisher movie. Like, I, I know, say what you will about the Punisher movie itself, but, you know, Thomas Jane, for the longest time, was the Punisher. I mean, lo- I mean, you can say, I mean, you can say what you will about Ray Stevenson. You can say what you will about John Bernthal. Um, but, like, for a lot of people. Can leave out Dolph Lundgren? I for, everyone forgets about <laughs> Dolph Lundgren, honestly. But everyone forgets about Dolph Lundgren, honestly, though. But uh, I, I, which I have seen. That's actually a pretty. That's actually not too bad. I I think that movie is actually pretty underrated too. Um, if but, you, oh, sorry, God. Well, no, I was just saying. I was just saying that, like, yeah. If you if you want to see further proof of Thomas Jane, like, actually, like, as a leading man, no, don't look any, no, don't look go any further, or like, look no further than. Um, the Punisher 2004. Cause that's, I mean, say, I think the movie itself is like, definitely has its issues, but you know, Thomas Jane definitely sells Frank castle. So actually, uh, so I, I haven't seen the Punisher, so I will definitely check that out, but I'm going to make similar remarks and apply that to the mist. Oh, that's right. There's the mist, right? Wasn't that the Stephen King, uh, adaptation? Yeah, it was a uh, directed by, uh, uh, Frank Darabont. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, if so, uh, yeah, Thomas Jane's acting in that movie is really fucking good. Uh, the one, the one thing that I remember the most from that is the really fucked up ending where he's just like crying over the death of like. just in case Spoiler no one's ever alert. seen that movie. Spoiler alert! But to be fair, I haven't seen. But all I know is that like all I know is that the movie ends on a really like dour note. That how ending, much I remember fucked me up because i was i saw that when it first came out so imagine that ending being viewed by by like a 13 year old (laughs) it was fucked up man so then we move on so then we move on so after thomas jane harpoons that shark so then you move on to uh a quick a quick uh cutaway to los angeles where saffron burrows shows up i had the maddest crush on her for a long time (laughs) You know, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, the first thing I've seen her in, I mean, cause, I, um, for most people, she, she was like, she played a really brief role on the season one of agents of shield, but I remember her more from uh, Boston legal, which is one of the best comedic, like 
legal dramas I have ever seen. So like if you've never seen it, it's basically uh, it's James Spader and William Shatner playing two high class lawyers at, at a Boston legal at a legal firm in Boston and like chaos and hijinks ensue at that legal firm. It's like all over the place. Really great monologues, though. I really enjoyed it because it's like James Spader is like the greatest monologue deliverer ever. Like I call him the monologue. I call him the monologue uh, actor because he it doesn't matter if the monologue is poorly written or if it's like complete gold. He will turn it complete gold. Um, it's it's amazing with what he can do with monologues. Um, but yeah, I remember her from that mainly. So like to see her like to see her when she was, was she pretty big back then? I mean, I didn't, I don't I mean, really I, remember her much in anything else. I would say like she was a, um, she's always been one of those actresses that, uh, you know, like when you see her, you're like, oh yeah, it's her. I've seen her in that in something. Okay. Yeah, like, like one of the, one of those actors, but I mean, I've seen her turn up in a decent amount of things. I'd say probably what else I recognize her most from was, uh, Oh, the movie Rain Over Me with Don Cheadle and Adam uh, Adam Sandler. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, you know, I've, I never. I know you've asked me if I've seen that before. I don't think I have, but I you oh, know it's, I just remember the trailers I, I, were. I love that fucking movie. I mean, it was like one of the few things I saw that Adam Sandler wasn't playing a comedic role in. It looked like an actual serious kind of like drama. So I was a, I was always kind of curious, and also the trailer played a, the killers. Um, all these things that I've done. And that's like one of my all time favorite songs. So I was just like, I was always kind of curious about that movie, but oh, um, hell yeah. So, so yeah, um, we were introduced to her. She's playing. She's the resident scientist of this movie, Dr. Susan McAllister. And she meets up with the uh, Samuel Jackson's Russell Franklin. Who's the, um, who's the man running the pharmaceutical company that she, um, that she works for. And, um, I just have to ask you real quickly, uh, Jeff. Did you realize that was Ronnie Cox that he was uh, sta- sitting standing next to? Yeah, I uh, the moment the moment that scene happened, I I was looking at him. And I'm like, I fucking know you, because it kind of looked it kind of looked like Max von Sydow, but it wasn't. Um, so I'm just like, the next best thing is like, is that is that uh, Ronnie Cox? So I quickly googled, I quickly did a Google search, and apparently. Ronnie Cox had a had a bigger cameo, like with actual speaking lines. But for whatever reason, that shit was cut out. So that's kind of a bummer. But the fact that like he's just there in a non-speaking role just to be like, hey, it's Ronnie Cox, everybody. <laughs> kind of I mean, makes you go, like, what I mean, the hell is he doing here? I mean, it's it's not as random as Roger Corman showing up in Silence of the Lambs. Oh, that's right. He is in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> it doesn't he show up at the, like the very end as like one of the people who congratulates Clarice on uh, a job well done? I think so. Yeah, like, I think so too. Yeah, it's been years since I've seen that movie. I, I gotta watch that again, dude. That movie still fucks me up, especially at, especially when Hannibal escapes. <laughs> We're definitely gonna do Silence of the Lambs at some point. Um, yes. But yeah, so they so you go so they go to the uh, facility, and Jeff kind of hinted at it. It's like. It's a why don't you okay why don't you describe the facility because it's one of the most unique sets set pieces I've ever seen. Yeah, so didn't they say that it was like once used as a as like some kind of government facility and then they converted it into you know into their their research lab? I mean, I want to say yes. I mean, it definitely has that look to it. It definitely looked like a 
government facility at one point, but I mean, for, for a laboratory that looks pretty fucking cool too, but like, Oh yeah. You know, they, they arrive at the, they arrive there. And then, um, you, you see the aforementioned scene that Jeff talked about where like, um, Thomas Jane's character, by the way, he plays Carter Blake, who is like this. I'm not exactly sure what Carter Blake did beforehand, but essentially he's like, take, take, uh, Quint from, take Quint from, uh, Jaws, make him younger, kind of co- really handsome and cool looking and, uh, give him, give him a, uh, give him the good man essence of, uh, Brody and you're good. <laughs> I can uh, see you, that, yeah. You Blake in this case. Yeah, he's and kind I, of a badass. And, and actually, he, he's got a lot of gold. It's actually kind of an interesting piece of trivia. So that uh, one of that uh, that scene uh, that we were uh, that we we briefly mentioned, where Thomas Shane is riding off the back of that uh, tiger shark. He uh, so he pulls a license plate out of the shark's mouth, and that's the same license plate from Jaws. Yeah, that's what I read. Is it's from? Uh, it's a license plate from uh yeah it's a, what what moment from jaws was it you would know uh, yeah so it's when uh, it's when they're dissecting the shark and uh right, you know like, like, right. yeah, cutting the stomach open and hooper throws that license plate towards brody because wasn't that a tiger shark that they cut open in that scene a what yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay that answers my question yeah very good yeah <laughs> but yeah so you're, you're introduced to the rest of the crew you have uh jacqueline mckenzie as janice uh, her husband—is um, it her boyfriend or her husband—is played by Stellan Skarsgård. So actually, what uh, I didn't for the longest time, I never knew that they were actually supposed to be a thing in the movie, and it always kind of confused me when, like, when when later on something bad ha- happens to Skarsgård and she looks really sad, and and that was that always threw me off. Like, well, wait, are, are they a couple, or like, wh- what's going on? Why does she look so sad? And there's actually deleted scenes of them interacting a lot more. Like there's a scene of them in bed, just like just talking about shit. And mm. uh, that uh, like one of the the party scene that they have a few minutes later into the movie, there's extended dialogue with them. And so they actually cut out all of the uh, personal connection that those two characters shared, which is kind of unfortunate because uh, I mean, I would say like uh what was the actress's name? Um, I think Jacqueline McKenzie. Yeah, I mean, I've seen her in other things, and she's been pretty good. But I, I did not like her in this movie. Like something. She about is her. kind of a. She kind of does play like kind of like annoying fiddle. Yeah, the group who's just of, like just whining about everything. Yeah, something about her just annoyed the shit out of me in this movie. Well, probably because she's just whining the shit about everything. Exactly, but but again, uh, I mean, with all. Like seeing those deleted scenes, it uh, it kind of makes me wonder if there was more context behind, you know, like behind her at, as a character. Maybe, maybe it could have helped a little bit, but I don't know. But yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. Now that you mentioned that, because like, I mean, obviously it would make it would kind of flesh out the character. But like, do you really think audiences are there for that shit? They would just rather be like, I just want to see someone get eviscerated by a fucking genetically altered. Well, yeah, no, no, exactly. But no, no, and but. But at least like, like, uh, like, are the characters in here like the most fleshed out? No, of course not. And they're like you said, they're not designed to be. But it's really the uh, I'd say it's, it's the performances that carry these admittedly pretty standard hollow characters, you know, because, you know, you have when you have actors like like fucking Samuel L. Jackson, like he's going to bring 
a, a level of gravitas to whatever, whatever, oh, whatever he role he's given. For sure, did in this movie. He is wonderful in this movie. He, he kind of reminds and, uh, me. It's like it's it's like his character from. Uh, it's like his character. What's his character's name in Jurassic Park? Uh, Ray Arnold. Yeah, it's like taking Ray Arnold. It's like if Ray Arnold became the CEO or head of a pharmaceutical company, almost. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, well, plus, like pretty much all the all the like all the main characters are are quite fun to watch. Uh, you, you I mean, Michael, Michael Rapaport as Tom Scoggins. By I the love, way, I mean I Michael, Rapaport. Michael Rapaport. That 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 fucker is so funny. <laughs> I mean, like Michael Rapaport, like, uh, I mean, like the first thing I ever saw him in, I mean, obviously he's a comedian as well as an actor, but like, you know, I remember like one of the first things I ever saw him was like in sketches for like the Chappelle show, like, especially like the hot copy sketch. So like when, it's <laughs> so, like when the, when like they don't want to like help out customers, he's just like, you know, you understand my rep, you understand my reputation. <laughs> you understand my situation. You're like, man, I don't give a fuck. I'll, I'll go back to Rikers if I have to. Can I help you? <laughs> See, I think, uh. <laughs> I think one of the because I I remember him showing up in the fourth season of Prison Break. Um, yeah, he was. That was like one of the most random like casting uh, ever. castings. But I, mean, I mean, like, but, but I remember him being pretty good in that, and uh, I remember him being a reoccurring character on My Name Is Earl. That was such a good fucking show. Uh, I remember that show. Uh, let's see, and uh, actually, he has these hilarious videos on YouTube where. Uh, he like uh, he's just like dubbing over random animal videos and just making <laughs> funny fucking commentary over them. I feel like I've seen like, those videos. You no, know, like, um, like, uh, like like there's this one where uh, uh, he's like voicing over a video with uh, uh, Wilfred the the cat, and it's like said to be the ugliest cat ever. But I don't care. That cat's fucking adorable. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then in the video, he's just like, what the fuck is that is that a fucking cat ma the fucking bug eye cat's back it looks like grandma <laughs> it's, it's so goddamn funny okay, i gotta look up this shit later <laughs> yeah there, there, there's a ton of these they're great uh i can that uh, like side note that kind of reminds me of like when snoop dog would be on jimmy kimmel live and he just like do like commentary on like uh so he, he like when you watch like nature documentaries it's like Yo, look at that. Look at that snake. He about to jump. Oh, he got that mouse. <laughs> oh, is that where uh, Honey Badger don't give a fuck or whatever it is came from? I would. I mean, like it had to have been inspired by that. I don't know. But like, yeah, I just remember just like the commentary that Snoop does for like wildlife. <laughs> it's just so hilarious. <laughs> OK, so, side note on on Snoop. He's like becoming the next shack to where he just randomly shows up in every fucking commercial. Oh man, I love Snoop Dogg. Snoop's great, and Shaq. I love, I love you, Shaq. But you know who's also great? Um, LL Cool J. Um, LL motherfucking Cool J. I mean, like, <laughs> I love, I love, uh, I love his character in this movie. Like, I really think, like, the fact that, like, okay, so, like, he apparently you can, uh, you know how, so, like, parrots they don't really speak; they just mimic the sounds that you know uh, others others do around them. So, like, <laughs> beat me, asshole. Yeah, exactly. So like obviously obviously this bird has been around this parrot has been around him to the point where, like this bird is now swearing to it. So that kind of gives you a glimpse of what he's like. I mean like there's also some there I mean there's also some nice little like character like moments for um preacher as he's called in the movie. Where like so like he does like this recording videos like, you know, 
if anyone finds this, tell my kid I love them. You know, I'm a proud father. I'm a proud husband. <laughs> I'm like, that's some deep shit right there. Yeah, and uh, I love that. Uh, it, I mean, yeah, like getting a little ahead because you know that's kind of towards the end of the movie. But I love, uh, I love when he's uh, like when they're all in the circle doing that prayer, and yeah. then just midway through the prayer, he's like, "And I'm the meanest motherfucker." <laughs> I'm like, goddamn right, hello, cool Jay. God, I love that moment. <laughs> so the reason that the reason that they have these sharks is that so you know shark. I mean, it, it's a common fact sharks have been around since the time of the dinosaurs. Like they've been around for millions of years. Sharks. It's a megalodon. God damn it. I feel like we're going to talk about that movie at some point too. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So we have a funny story for uh, Jeff's experience with with the Meg, but we'll get to that when that day comes. Um, But, but yeah, so, but sharks have been around for millions of years. Right. And so sharks have never like had cancer. Uh, They've never had any like diseases or anything so like um they they want to use sharks to help create a cure for alzheimer's or whatnot and so they genetically modify these mako sharks there are about three of them that they genetically alter and uh which honestly side note i'm glad they didn't just use great whites again oh i mean like well that's the thing too because like because i was looking up some facts about like deep blue sea and they're like well how do you because like you know, when you talk when you talk about shark movies, obviously you think of Jaws. Look no further than our episode of Jaws that we did, where basically Jeff just gushes and nerdgasms about the entire fucking movie. Goddamn um, right. Yes, he does. But like, you know, so the question is like, how do you do so how do you do a shark movie without repeating Jaws? Right? That is the question. Like, how do you not make another Jaws? So you have to kind of like you have to change the game up a bit. So, like, in this case, some genetically modified Mako sharks. And I'm glad they went with a different shark. I mean, the sharks already, they look pretty menacing. They're not huge, but the fact that, like, they're smart, they actually can swim backward, backwards, even though sharks are not supposed to. Um, uh, yeah, the these shark. I mean, because obviously shark Mako sharks are not too huge, but obviously, you know, people don't know that. So, like, they can get away with shit like this in here. I will um, say though, like the uh, like the way because uh, because pretty much everyone's familiar with with what the the mouth of a great white shark looks like, uh-huh. but something about the mako shark, it, it looks fucking menacing, man. Because it's like it's like uh, it's more jagged, and it lo- it, lo- it looks like uh, like it looks like if you uh, if you got bit by one of those, you, you're basically like falling on that bed of fucking spikes in in Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Uh, a stage fatality as they call it but yeah maybe but isn't but that's the point though isn't it right you want to like differentiate yourself from jaws so and, you, you're and gonna there's yeah there's definitely like a couple uh you know tips of the hat to jaws throughout but i mean i feel like a movie like deep blue sea would never get made without the i mean because because around that time you know jaws was like 25 years old and it was still you know culturally relevant so you know whenever because i think this was the first big budget shark movie to come out in theaters since jaws the revenge and so around that point you know like you know that, that movie just shit the bed and kind of ruined it for everyone but then you know that's everyone like, screaming off to oh shit fuck that movie uh <laughs> we're talking about that uh the rest of the jaws movies at some point oh yes uh but 
But I mean, around that, but I mean, there was like a 12 year gap right there. And at that time, uh, you know, so the movie's directed by Reddy Harlan, who has made an interesting variety of, of movies. Uh, his career hasn't been doing too well lately, and I'm I'm rooting for him. I want him to make good shit again. But you know, he uh, he made a Nightmare on Elm Street four. Uh, you know, it's like not not the best Elm Street movie by any means, but you know, it was a very rushed production, and Randy Harlan was able to bring a really interesting visual style to that movie. So mm-hmm. I, I, I I give it a pass. Uh, he also did make Cutthroat Island, which is like the biggest box office bomb in history. He sure did. Uh, you know, he did uh, Die Hard 2, uh, Cliffhanger, uh, you know, cut, aforementioned Cutthroat Island. And and actually, I th- I don't know if I'm pretty oh, sure he... I'm, I'm pretty sure that's uh, so after Cutthroat Island bombed so bad, he uh, his career was kind of on ice for a little bit. And Deep Blue Sea essentially brought brought him back for, for a little while longer because that was like kind of his last deep blue sea was kind of his last chance. Like if deep blue sea tanked, then it's like, all right, you're never fucking working again. Uh, and, and yet, and yet he uh, came back. Yeah. I was like, I have no comeback for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was, I, was, I was busy looking at some of his other credits and I'm just like, Oh, he, he worked on one of my all time favorite shows. He directed a couple episodes of several episodes of a couple seasons of burn notice. Which oh, has, shit, yeah. which is fucking Bruce the Chin Campbell, and the rest. <laughs> I would love to talk about. Uh, you have got to watch Bird Notice because I, I, I feel like you would love that show. Um, I know you've seen, I know you've seen the TV movie that they made, uh, which like takes place between a couple seasons. Yeah, and it serves as a prequel to the show, but like you've got to check the show out. I think you would really enjoy it. Okay, wait. So I'm looking at Ray Harlan's filmography and. He directed this movie called Skip Trace starring Jackie Chan and Johnny Knoxville. Oh, he did that movie? I gotta, <laughs> I gotta movie. see this shit. Uh, do you know what he also did? The Legend, Legend of, of Hercules. Hercules. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, do, you know what he also did? do you know what he also did? The huh. Covenant. Oh, no. <laughs> Dude, The Covenant was huge. It was like a huge thing back in the day. I mean, it wasn't like huge, huge, but like I just remember like seeing advertisements and trailers all over the place. I like it was like ma- basically it was like male wi- wizards and warlocks made to look cool and like sexy as shit. You know, like the two thousands. Oh man, the two thousands were like all over the place with this shit. I forgot he did Exorcist the beginning. The uh, no the, pr- the, the, pr- the production around that fucking movie is mind-boggling uh yeah that that'd be uh i mean we could do a whole episode just on the talking about the making of that movie it's fucking crazy uh but yeah going back to deep blue sea uh what point Nate, i think he i think Randy harlan did a really good job trying to like really try to make a shark you know a, a shark movie that could like i wouldn't say stand up to jaws but at least you know leave a place in terms of shark movies because like this is this is a movie that definitely has quality. It definitely has like heart and like passion behind it. Like it's it's one of the better shark movies I've probably seen because most shark movies I've seen, they're all like Shark Attack Three or uh, Sharktopus or fucking uh, Sharknado. <laughs> Fuck those movies. Hey, Shark Attack Three is a goddamn masterpiece. You take that back. I mean, like it does feature one of the greatest lines in all of cinema, but that's a story for another day. You are goddamn right, it does. 
They actually made a t-shirt of that. <laughs> oh my god, no, they did it. Yes, they did. <laughs> I kind of want it. My, I, that shirt. I, I don't know if I want that shirt, but like if I did get the shirt, I'd get it. I wouldn't wear it. I'd get it framed. <laughs> if I ever met John Barman, I would ask him to sign that shirt. <laughs> Anyways, though, so, um, yeah, so they, they genetically me- uh, engineer these sharks because they think the sharks are going to be the cure for, uh, they're going to be the cure for uh, Alzheimer's. And so, like, they get one of the sharks. Um, by the way, th- how cr- how crazy was that moment when, like, uh, uh, Thomas Jane, like, Carter Blake, like, he's luring one of the sharks into the trap so they can bring it up for uh, extract, like, you know, fluid extraction or whatnot. I thought that was like one of the crazier scenes where like that was basically really fucking intense, actually. And yeah, it was. And I think uh, what I think this movie does a really good job at is uh, is kind of uh, always keeping you guessing what the sharks are going to do next. You know, like it's uh, like it, it starts with uh, with small things like the, uh, you know, like recognizing the gun and, you know, swimming, you know, learning to swim backwards and doing uh, and then. Oh shit! They're taking out the cameras. Oh shit! They're they're breaking the fucking glass to, to rush the water well, in. That's what and happens then, when you genetically alter them? Exactly. And so, so they just they just, they're like uh they're basically like graboids. How they're always like they're always learning and tr- and like they're always a step ahead of uh, of the of the human characters. I and did so not it, think of this what so fucking ever. <laughs> you know, and all it's like it's so weird, like. You spend like so many episodes talking about tremors, it all ties back again at some point. You got that right. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> oh, but you're right though, because like because you're right though, because like uh the sharks just get like wittier and wittier like over time. Um but I mean we're getting ahead of ourselves, but like especially so like the first instance of the true sharky shark attacks. So Stellan really likes fucked me up still. I mean, so Jim went his character, Jim Whitlock, the doctor, like, so after, so after they've sedated the shark and, um, they've extracted the fluid. Oh, look, we've got the cure. It's great. And, you know, Sam Jack is like, well done. Well, obviously. So prior they foreshadowed like, Hey, um, Jim, maybe you shouldn't, uh, kneel too close to the shark. So he gets too close to the shark. The shark grabs a hold of him and rips his arm off. That's and honestly, like that's a that's a really well done effect, by the way. It, in all honesty, it is because, like that. I mean, because well, the best part about it, it's not CGI; it's you, practical. You have you have a a practical shark tearing off a practical arm, spraying around practical blood, all done in front of the fucking camera, because. Because again, like, because we'll we'll talk about some of the CGI later on, but it's really night and day, and because because CGI over time gets dated as technology progresses, and in hindsight, things just don't look as good as as they did at the time that they released. But a good practical effect is fucking timeless. Indeed, I mean, I mean, like, because like. It, I mean, again, it really goes to the quality of like just how great the practicals for the sharks are, because, again, um, I was thoroughly impressed, like just. Well, with... yeah. well even like during that whole uh, that whole scene where they're where they're extracting the uh, the brain cells from the shark, like just the way that the the way that 
the shark's skin looks, the way it's breathing. It looks fucking real, man. Like the way that they're touching it and everything. It looks so goddamn good. Again, this movie did not get enough credit for how good these because people are, are because people are just like making it out as a so bad it's a good movie where it's like, like no it's, it's actually, just a good fucking movie it's just a, it's actually a legit pretty good movie i'm i'm quite impressed I'm like guys stop shitting on this please it's like <laughs> i mean like i feel like people that that you know like, like uh it's one of those movies where you you hear about it because of certain highlights uh throughout it and it kind of garners like this, sam jackson's moment exactly like it it garners a reputation and it's it's kind of modeled after that one select moment and all of the strongest qualities of the movie are kind of overshadowed because again i i haven't watched this movie in over a decade so i had no idea how i how i was going to feel about it and yeah like like i've been saying i i had a fucking blast with this movie well, uh, so like, so let's get into the real craziness. So like, after after uh, Whitlock has been uh, has been chomped off, has been like chomped off of his arm. So they like they med- they try to medically evac him onto a helicopter. By the way, a storm has. By the way, so we should we should like back up a little bit. So like the rest of the larger crew of this facility has left because for the day, and so it's just this night crew. Um, that consists of our core cast of characters, and so it's basically uh, they, Jurassic Park. Yes, basically is Jurassic mm-hmm. Park, except it's with genetically altered sharks. So um, they they helicopter in this meta this uh, medivac cop, uh, chopper to like um, transport Skarsgård um, back to the mainland for medical treatment. So what happens is during the storm, um, the 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 metal the the metal copper the the wire holding a scars guard that's supposed to zip line him back up into the cop into the copter or the chopper like it malfunctions and it zip and it zips him back into the it drops him into the water and then yeah. the shark and then one of the sharks just do you want to take over this part because it's one of the most incredulous it's it's so incredulous to the point where like i cannot believe <laughs> That's just how fucking insane this moment is. Please take over. Yes. So, uh, so Skarsgård is uh, still strapped, uh, strapped to the gurney, and after it's uh, uh, unintentionally lowered back into the water, it's being grabbed by a shark. And since that gurney was wired to the helicopter, the helicopter starts starts going for a ride too, which you can argue the the practicality of you know a shark and a fucking helicopter but whatever and uh and so the uh so the helicopter loses control it smashes into the communications tower and and then they're uh that causes a huge explosion everything goes wrong <laughs> from there and and then one of my favorite lines from this movie sam jackson just looks out at the this giant glass window that's you know that's uh you know right uh that looking right out into the uh looking right out in into the water and mm-hmm. you just see the gurney just slowly emerging out of the darkness like it's basically this is the uh the scene in jaws 3 done right I was gonna say that too because the moment i i saw that happens like this is fucking jaws 3d isn't it, it? really is <laughs> and then i love how sam jackson's just like someone please tell me what that is <laughs> the way he delivers that, I, I love it. Uh, and so 
the gurney is in the shark's mouth and Skarsgård is still alive. I don't know if it's his oxygen tank that that he was given or whatever. I I, I don't I don't fucking care. I'm, it's awesome. And so the shark literally throws him against the glass and it starts cracking. And then just fucking oh, it's great. The the water the water crashes through and the fact that they they did that water effect 100% practically and I from what I've heard apparently that was not planned and wait what uh, this could be totally wrong but I I feel like I'm so sure that I, I heard something about this where that uh that was actually the water leaking out like that was a malfunction and all the and so all the reactions from the actors they're just going with it and so and so like you know that's why you know Thomas Jane uh you know he slipped and you know didn't make it to the stairs on time which which actually I think really adds to the scene because it makes it feel more it kind of makes it feel a little more uh, a little more tense that and, blows my mind that really yeah. does like again like someone fact check me on that if I'm if I'm talking out of my ass you know like you know feel free to that really blows my mind I had no idea that was the case and uh but i mean yeah if if that's true then holy shit that's crazy (laughs) well i mean like yeah it looks i mean like obviously i thought that would i thought that would have been planned at least because like but you're telling me now that you say that like and i do remember him like he slips at one point and he misses the stairs like that wow that that blows my mind quite a bit that's pretty that's really fucked up actually Um, it is it really is so then it kind of makes you, so then that makes you wonder about the rest of the scenes where like they have to like evade running water and whatnot. Like, is that all? Is that all real or or is that uh, is that like yeah yeah those uh, accidental yeah no yeah no I feel like that uh, uh, just that one scene what was like an isolated incident but uh, but I mean yeah with, with everything else it's because uh, I love how they they make water feel like a threatening presence you know like whenever it's like leaking into uh, like. Like you have scenes of a little cool J just kind of uh, you know walking through the, uh, you know just kind of exploring, just trying to find anyone, and uh, you just see water kind of trickling down from the staircase. It starts with a few drops, and then just a big fucking wave comes out and sweeps them away. <laughs> it's like, oh shit! <sighs> and by the way, like I, I had no idea, like. Uh, they actually managed to make the sharks swimming around through, uh, like through the, uh, through the corridors. Corridors, yes, yeah. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't think of the word for some reason. Yeah, like so. Uh, yeah, honestly, like the image of the sharks swimming through the corridors is actually pretty fucking creepy and intense. And I think this this was actually based on a nightmare that Rennie Harlan had. Uh, you know where he's like. I think he said something like, uh, you know, that was like one of his fears of being trapped in a situation, you know, similar to what LL Cool J's kitchen scene was like. Actually, and- so a little bit of correction there. So um, you are correct. It was you're correct. It was someone had a dream about this. But so was- Australian screenwriter Duncan Kennedy said he witnessed a horrific shark attack on on a beach near his home. And then the tragedy contributed to a recurring nightmare of him being out of a passageway with sharks that could read his mind. That's right. Okay. I, 
Yeah, yeah, I, I I remember hearing that now. Yeah, thank you, thank you for clearing uh, for clearing that up. But still, that's really fucked up, though, isn't it? To have a dream that's like that, like recurring like that, where you just like you just cannot escape from these fucking sharks. Oh no, not not at all. And and honestly, if uh, I mean, I've never witnessed a shark attack, but yeah, I could totally see how that would how that would fuck anyone up. Have you ever actually seen a great white before? In it by any chance? I have not. Uh, um, I have, I've I've seen uh, I have seen uh, footage of uh, or I remember seeing this documentary back uh, back in the day called Anatomy of a Shark Bite, mm. and it was uh, so basically this uh, uh, this guy I I forget what his uh, field of expertise was, uh, so he was he was kind of in uh, you know waist up high water with uh with someone in the you know they were they were shooting a documentary and then you know they had a bunch of sharks swimming by and you know they didn't think much of it and then one of them just uh, kind of nudged his uh nudged his leg and then bit into his calf no and, oh. and then it, dra- it dragged him away a little bit and then it uh it showed graphic fucking footage of his missing calf like it was torn completely off oh and and so it's you know it's like you've seen shark attacks in in movies and everything and and like yeah like like depending on how how well it's done like it can you know it can leave a you know like a crazy image in your head but when you see the real deal man they don't fuck around yeah, no, they don't. Um, well, I haven't seen a shark attack like that, or I haven't seen something visual like that, but I have seen a great white before. Um, so a long time ago, this was probably when I was still like early teens tops. Um, I, we were visiting Monterey at one point, and my dad took me to the aquarium one day um, in Monterey, and uh, they had a great white. They had a great white at one point. Oh, shit. And, uh, and I'm like, so seeing it for up close and personal, I'm like, I was very intimidated. I'm just like, okay, don't want to go to the water. I don't, yeah, actually, that's why. Actually, yeah, uh, kind of a kind of a funny story. Uh, so I think the uh, I think Monterey's they they tried a few times to to get a great white in, uh, but you know every time it it's it's failed. Uh, just because. Well, you know, yeah, for obvious yeah. reasons. But uh, so I remember going there when I was I think I was about six or seven. I was seven. Yeah. And we uh, we went. Uh, so at this point, you know, I like I went through different phases of what uh, what I was really interested in. And at this point, I was really into sharks. And this was probably not too long after I saw Deep Blue Sea for the first time. Mm-hmm. And w- we went to, to the Monterey Bay Aquarium and, you know, I'd. I remember uh, getting a couple of shark documentaries from the from the gift shop and everything, and I I was so excited. And uh, by the time we we got home, I turn on the TV, and the news comes on and says, "Oh, uh, we just received our uh, our first uh, our first great white shark in captivity." The same fucking day I got home, and I'm like, <laughs> "No!" <laughs> oh man that sucks so i don't know i i would probably yeah no honestly it's on my bucket list to see a great white shark up uh in in person so honestly i'll I'll probably be one of those assholes in 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 one of those cages 
Hopefully. Uh, what, uh, well, I just have to say on my end, uh, fuck that. That's never happening for me. I'm just like, get me the fuck away from that thing. I will take. I mean, I, I mean, I will, like, take, I will it, take pictures for you. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, and then I'll be like, I'll speak at your eulogy. <laughs> hey, if I, hey, if that's how I go out, at least I go out like like a badass. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Some people, uh, you say that now, but okay. Anyways, though, but. But no, the, um, so, but the shark, I mean, obviously the Mako sharks, they're not great whites, but like, God, just, a, just how intense they are in this. Um, oh, yeah. so, like, so after, so, cause so after, after Skarsgård, um, is like thrown and like, obviously they escape from the water. Like you don't really see, you don't, you don't really see any shark attacks, but you do see like. What's crazy is so like Elo, so preacher like he's um he's trying to like navigate through the water, and then like he sees the fin and he's like oh shit so he just runs right he he waddles through the rot wa- the water <laughs> the water and just um he rattles through the water and just um just uh makes his way to the kitchen and like he he hides behind the door and somehow the shark um. This is him, and like goes past the door and into the corridor or whatnot. I thought plus, that was plus like just the way that the shark like thrashes through through the water in those corridors. It yes, it's it's kind of creepy actually. It's like, a, it's a very intimidating sight. Like it's a very haunting sight. Almost you're just like holy shit. Yeah, cause it's one of those things where it's like you know it can't happen, but the the movie does a good job at kind of putting you in that situation and making it feel like a believable enough scenario and it's uh because it's like yeah this movie is obviously you know like a little cheesy uh based off its premise alone but it takes itself seriously enough and it's uh it does a really good job at at keeping you invested and uh, on the edge of your seat like that so then let's talk about because i think we've we're at the point where we can finally talk about the scene that everyone knows the most about yes. Deep Blue Sea. And that's one of the greatest Sam Jackson monologues ever delivered. And like, in all honesty, it's a really great monologue until it's ruined, until it's ruined by really bad CGI. <laughs> and that, so it's like the scene itself is fantastic. The way that the, uh, the way that it fucks with your expectations like that is great. Especially like, you know, at the moment that they do it, you know, it's like like mid speech and it's it's the scene itself, the way it was thought out and structured. Wonderful. Fucking genius. The CGI is dog shit, though. Yes, it is. Yes, it <laughs> and is. That, and that's what kind of sadly ruins it a little bit. But I think that's one of the best. Uh, it's one of the best unexpected deaths out there i i really really believe that because it's uh well plus it's like you kind of expect sam jackson to die but you don't expect him to die that early yeah like like the way it's so abrupt i think is really uh is is what really makes it such such a memorable scene mm-hmm. and and again it's unfortunate that the the wonky cgi is what kind of uh kind of kills it well, yeah, but it, it that's what kind of gives the movie its negative uh, or semi-negative mm-hmm. uh, perception, you know, because sometimes people will just watch that scene in isolation and think the whole movie is like that. But 
again, they're missing out on those wonderful practical effects. But, but again, n- not only does he just spontaneously get uh, uh, get swooped up like that, but when he's under the water, another shark comes up and they just fucking tear him in half. Yeah, I saw. It's <laughs> brutal, right. I man. It's, like they they don't hold back. No, they they really don't. Like they really kind of go into town with these sharks, don't they? Like, well, backing up a bit though, like because like the speech that he gives is really like because the idea is like you know they were under because like he was at one point like he was trapped in an anvil he was trapped in an avalanche right and like he and his crew were like stuck there for a good long time before they were rescued or they had to get out. But like basically, he's telling them, like you're going to get through this. We're going to get out. We're going to get out of here. And so, right as the moment where he's right as where he's like, we're going to fa- find a way out of here. That's when the shark comes in and gets him. So that's that's like, I mean, obviously, it it inspires the it inspires the rest of them to get out of there. But like, yeah, this is kind of that's I mean, that's like, unfortunate. How, like a great mono, a pretty solid monologue is just ruined by uh, really bad effects. Well, I mean, like. Honestly, like it's uh, I think it does a good job at still keeping the threatening presence of the sharks consistent because, you know, because in that moment, you know, you're supposed to take that as the uh, as like the turning point into the third act to where all the characters band together to, mm-hmm. to try to try to survive. And uh, and so that's what Sam Jackson's monologue is supposed to represent coming together and trying to figure out how to overcome all this and but the but the way that the uh, the sharks just so brutally fuck him up, yeah. I think I think just it. Ah, God damn it! Why couldn't you just put a little extra more time into that CGI, man? <laughs> well, it, it's, it's so it, close. Well, well, I remember so like so prior to this. So actually, going back a little bit because I remember so Saffron Burrows like her character McAllister, like she explains that like they had to genetically modify the sharks to increase their brain size to get enough protein complex for the formula and i just i have here in my notes like the zoom in on saffron burrows when she says they violated the harvard compact i'm like priceless and also i looked up the harvard compact to see if it existed they no such harvard compact exists in real life science words they, science indeed yeah <laughs> science bitch <laughs> Tech- techno babble <laughs> techno babble indeed but uh, i think we're also at the point where uh we get our first shark i mean first shark death and that's uh and that's uh the brilliant way that uh l o cool j kills a shark would you like to take over for this moment because i think it's yes. beautiful yes so uh so l o cool j uh he unfortunately has to deal with the loss of of his bird and and by the way like that i remember that scene upsetting me so much because i wasn't used to animal deaths in movies and yeah i remember being so sad that bird died uh but yeah so uh so the bird gets eaten it tips over the shelf that ll cool j was uh was standing on and Mm -hmm. so he's back in the water he's frantically trying to think of something where the fuck to go can't make it to the door and so he just think he just only thing he could think of, fuck it, I'm going in the oven. And in uh so in in theory, like not not the worst place to hide, but the only problem is uh the shark uh, turns on the oven. <laughs> and he's just like, I am not burning up in some fucking oven. <laughs> and then uh which uh by the way, yeah, if he didn't have that axe with him, he would be 
fucked. And that would, at that point, though, just just let the fucking shark eat you, man. Getting roasted alive like that, that'd be so much worse. Yes, it and, would. Uh, and so he, uh, so he cuts a hole in the bottom, gets up on, on the top, and with, uh, with the ovens now open, it's letting out a bunch of, bunch of gas, and so he pulls out his lighter and says one of the best lines I've ever heard in a movie. What's that line? You ain't my bird. And just chucks the lighter and blows the <laughs> fuck out of that shark. God, that was such a great moment. I, le- I legit clapped when that happened because I, I totally forgot about that scene. And I, I when that came like, up, I'm like, God damn, that's awesome. I was just like, fuck yeah. I, that was just like the uh, first of all like uh, normally i would question like can an axe really cut through an oven like that but i just like question i just stopped questioning the logic afterwards just like ah fuck it, it just go cool. with it <laughs> and it's like you wait my bird burn up bitch hey man you, you don't fuck with that little cool jay's bird no, no. <laughs> or, or but like you get, blown, you, you get blown the fuck up but, but like you know like the ingenuity of like outsmarting a shark like that by by a exploding oven priceless <laughs> wonderful <laughs> so like but so for one shark death there are multiple people who die <laughs> um so the first death would be the first death so like they have to climb up this elevator chute because if they because the elevator is not working but basically um basically what happens is janice uh janice she falls into the water right and um just the way she rises back up uh, via the shark's mouth and it's just like a, a bloody mess and then it's right back down and it's just it's blood. It's fucking brutal. Yes, it is. And uh, again, it, again, it goes to show just how like, just how creative they are with the shark kills. Well, plus like, I, I will say like that, that entire sequence is, uh, is really well done. You know, like where they're just climbing up the shaft and the, the water keeps rising and then the, the shark, uh, the shark finds its way in there and, the way it's just circling around as the water continues to rise up, it's it's intense, man. It's oh it's yeah, good, good shit. And so, like you know, they can't reach can't they can't reach the exit because like it's too high. And then it opens the chute. And then uh, <laughs> I I don't remember the line that LL Cool J says, but I just remember it was pretty it was pretty snarky and funny. I just remember that much. But it's just like, uh, <laughs> but basically, he's like a sign from God. He's he's like a good sign from God or whatnot. And so. I remember they have to go back into like, so what happens is like Carter and uh, Scoggins, that's who Michael Rappaport plays. They have to go back into, um, into the lab to get, I forget exactly what they're grabbing, but um, dude, that scene back in the now water filled lab was intense. It's like seeing Thomas Jane, this is so like seeing Carter like swim through and then like he comes across the corpse of still in Skarsgård, still strapped to that fucking gurney. You would yep. think that you would think that he would have been eaten up or whatnot, but nope. But like, this is like the one time because he's been like he's a pretty he's been pretty calm and cool for the most part of the movie. This is like the one term where you really see him like kind of just lose him shit, lose yeah, his no, shit. He, just, he, he, like he he cracked right there. <laughs> yeah, that's like. And then what happens is like so you know they go down underwater again and they find what they're looking for, but. Michael Rappaport's death is really fucking brutal because what yeah. really free- what really got me was that foot twitching. Yeah. So uh, so after they uh, after they they flip the switches for whatever the fuck they needed to use it for, uh, a shark just emerges from the darkness and then just 
grabs Michael Rappaport and then just shakes him around. And then, uh, you know, it splits him in half. And then his the bottom half of his foot or bottom half of his body is just completely in frame. And his, his foot is switching. It, it's creepy shit, man. Yeah, that, that foot twitch really got me the most. I just thought that was like, holy shit. And like uh, that, that, that was the I mean, like, I don't really get bothered by a lot of stuff in film or TV or whatnot, because like I'm pretty much let's be honest, we've all been desensitized at this point. But like just seeing the foot twitch, I was just like, oh, Lordy, mighty. OK, <laughs> just like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> just like that really fucked me over quite a bit. I was just like, uh, uh. <laughs> so um, so uh, so then like I know I so, said like Saffron Burroughs, her character, Dr. McAllister is like she decides she's going to go looking for uh, what was it like the cure itself or whatnot. And so like no, she left it. it- yeah, no, uh, yeah, she's looking for uh, for all their uh, all their data. Mm-hmm. So she she finds it, but unfortunately, one of the sharks has found her, um, and she tries to. Um, By the she, way, she, the uh, the uh, the image of that, uh, uh, the way that the, uh, like you know they earlier they showed like a, like a fake uh, like model shark that she had in her office, and you know she uh, like it it kind of floats towards her, and then she. You know, they do like a little false scare right, right there. It's a little, and then, you know, little then, fake scare. Yeah. yeah. And then then she she shoves it off. And then the way that the, the real shark's fin just slowly emerges out of the water like that. That was a really effective shot right there. So then like so she's forced to abandon her data. Right. And she has to like jump. She has to jump off like onto a railing like that's still you know afloat and she has to she takes off her wetsuit right and yeah. uh because she sees some electrical cords and just electrifies the water and kills the shark that way right and like i mean it's unfortunate to see the data go off i mean it's a, to see the, the data like get destroyed but like i mean who fucking cares but what's really cool is just seeing like the shark just like like the animatronic shark just kind of like twitch and turn like all over the place oh yeah that that's pretty brutal too. Um, so now, so obviously they've escaped, right? At, they finally reached the surface, but you realize this whole point. They realize this. So it's established earlier that like the sharks can't escape because there are titanium fences surrounding their their um, cage or whatnot. But the top of the fence is a regular fence. So they so because they've had to raise the water in order to get out the fences are now have the water has now reached the level of the regular fence. And so the sharks are trying to escape through that way. And, uh, so this is, this is a moment that I actually want to discuss with you because I thought this was interesting. So obviously they've developed, they develop a makeshift harpoon to try and like kill the shark, right. With like dynamite or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so, but what I wanted to discuss was, so apparently, so this is one of the more interesting behind the scenes things that I found fascinating. So, so in this ending, um, in this proper ending, so what happens is Saffron Burroughs, her character, she ends up cutting herself so that she can attract the shark um, to her. And that way Carter can kill it. But, you know, she doesn't make it out of the water in time and she's, uh, visually, vicious, viciously, and viscerally, just annihilated and like eaten in half by the shark in like two bites or whatnot. Um, that was a pretty brutal like CGI moment. 
So what I found out is that apparently she was actually supposed to live and there yeah. was going to be like a little happy ending. And like there's I see there's a deleted still where um, there's a still from a deleted scene where they kiss at the end. But so from what I understand, so they showed that the ending where she lives to test audiences. And this is the consensus I got. Uh, well, it's her fault that the sharks have like started killing everybody and like they're yeah. all smart and everything. So she has to die. Yeah, honestly, that uh, that was definitely the right call because honestly, it's uh, you almost kind of expect her to survive, and it's uh, and the fact that she sacrifices herself like that, I think, is actually a good character moment. And uh, but no, honestly, that uh, uh, the, the test audiences were were totally right on that, and I think uh, I think you know her going out the way she did uh i think for one it was good for her character and two uh it it's uh it it's just kind of a, a scene that kind of throws you off guard a little bit because you don't does really... that original deleted scene still exist somewhere or is it is it i i've never been able to track it down so i i'm sure it's you know deep in the warner brothers vault somewhere i forgot this is a warner brothers movie of all things um so basically so <clears throat> what i remember is that like so so Carter ends up like he what he what <coughs> sorry yeah dry throat he ends up riding the shark on the fin like he did in the beginning and yes. so like and so preacher takes the fucking uh, takes the fucking harpoon gun he's aiming at it and uh, does he say anything smartass remark does he say what some smartass remark I forget he doesn't have his Brody moment or I don't whatnot, think but before but uh, but after uh, yeah after the shark uh, just blows the fuck up he just says bring me some sushi. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> but ba- but yeah, they basically but basically what yeah, Carter survives and like uh hey, Carter. Are you for, are, do you know for sure if there were four sh- cuz like so like they they're just like they're finally relaxed and you know, they're glad that no other sharks exist. Carter does have one foot in the water though. So like he so just, just like just lifts it out. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> because he's like but well no cuz preacher's like are you, do you know for sure that there are only three sharks? And yeah, Carter just like remove, nonchalantly just removes his foot from the water. <laughs> and then you see the, and then you see the day crew has arrived for the next shift. Yep. And it's like, Oh, it's the next shift. And then <laughs> zoom out the movie ends. And then you hear uh, LL Cool J song for the movie. That's Such about a- it. <laughs> like, what was it? Like my hat is like a shark's fin or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who cares? It's fucking great. I kind of okay. Uh, deep. Uh, it's. I think it's called uh, "Deepest Blue" or "Deepest." B- no, no, no. Here, the soundtrack features two songs by LL Cool J. I'm reading from the Wikipedia article: "Deepest Bluest," "Sharks Fin," and "Say What," which were both used in the end credits. Um, <laughs> I kind of have to listen to that first song. <laughs> I I'm gonna look for that after we're done with this. <laughs> uh, so speaking of which, though, any uh, so yeah, that was Deep Blue Sea, and I ne- you know, again, I, w- I was quite surprised. I thought this movie was gonna be a so bad it's good movie, but there's like a lot of good quality in this movie. I was I was thoroughly impressed. I did not expect this to be actually a pretty competent movie. Like it's actually got it's it's actually. Uh, it's a fun '90s movie from start to finish. Uh, it, it's pretty fun. I, 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 I thought it was great the whole entire time. Um, 
I would say this is probably the second best shark movie ever made. You really think so? I do. Uh, Cause I'm, I mean, like there, there's been some, there's been some good, uh, good shark movies, uh, you know, kind of popping out, you know, cause there's obviously the endless cesspool of garbage uh, through the shark exploitation subgenre. But, you know, you like there, there's a few movies that, that stick out like a, uh, the shallows was pretty good. Was it uh, the Blake Lively movie by any yeah, chance? Yeah, okay. yeah, like I, I remember liking that movie a lot. Uh, Open Water is is pretty good. Uh, there was uh, there forty was seven a, meters down was just complete crap. Yeah, it it was dumb fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, uh, there was uh, there was this Australian movie called The Reef, uh, which which I I thought was really fucking intense. Uh, that thing that's on Shutter. Uh, I remember that. Uh, I remember liking that one a lot. Uh, so, I mean, there's a. I feel like what makes a good shark movie, though, is when it goes out of its way to not be Jaws. Because especially with all the uh, all the shark exploitation, uh, shark, shark exploitation movies, there's so many fucking scenes that are just ripped directly right off from Jaws. I mean, if, if you're going to copy anything from a movie, at least you're copying from a good movie. But when you see it over and over again, it's uh, it's it just... in the same movie again. You want something completely different. And exactly. And, and well, you so, are right in this case. Well, so 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 with Deep Blue Sea, though, it's uh, so part of part of why I hate movies like like Lake Placid, for example, is that it had the potential to be a lot of fun, but it did not take advantage of its premise despite having every opportunity to do so. They just, they just chose not to deep blue sea goes all fucking out with, with its premise, with its setting, with, uh, with its death scenes, with the violence, it doesn't hold back. And it just, it fucking delivers on every front wall. It's giving you compelling enough characters to, uh, uh, to uh to kind of guide you through everything it uh it creates uh it creates a really threatening presence around these sharks and uh and like we've been saying all throughout this uh throughout this episode the practical effects alone are are worthwhile because i can't stress enough i i was blown away by how amazing those practical effects were if you can if you can put up with the buggy cgi the practical effects alone top notch and it's yeah this movie is a fucking blast and i would uh i would definitely say it, it's it's an easy rewatch it's uh yeah honestly like jaws and deep blue sea would be a solid double feature i'd say i mean it'd be i mean it's just an interesting uh it'd be an interesting double feature for sure because one movie's one movie is considered one of the greatest movies ever made and uh, the other movie is just a fun '90s movie. Um, well, the the first one, obviously Jaws. That, that's just a that's just a that's just a blockbuster from start to finish. Where like it's as you said it, it's film school in two hours. And then here, Deep Blue Sea, it's just a it's just a interesting experiment that actually works. Um, yeah, I, I would say I would say with Deep Blue Sea though, uh, I would say it'd be really interesting to show someone that's never really sat down and watched it, but just kind of known about it through uh, 
like just through uh, through pop culture, like probably they only know about Sam Jackson's death, uh, Sam Jackson's death scene, but haven't really sat down and watched it. And so I feel like this would be my favorite type of movies to discover are ones that you have a you have like a, like one perception and you're not expecting too much out of it. But when you watch it, it just it continues to peel back its layers and give you something so much more than you were ever anticipating. Yeah, and, I, I'm in agreement with you on that one. And so on the surface, yeah, it's it's a it's still a B movie with with a with a pretty silly premise. And, you know, is it realistic? No, but. I think it's impossible to, de- to deny that this movie is not a fucking blast from start to finish. It's never boring. There's never uh, like there's never really a dull moment. It's uh, once uh, once the action kicks in, it doesn't let up. Uh, Rennie Harlan did a did a fantastic job with this movie, and I hope as time goes on, uh, more and more people look back on it with uh, with more appreciation because I I think it I think it really deserves it. Deep Blue Sea is a is a fucking blast. It certainly is. No, I'm I'm in total agreement with you. Yeah, I went into this movie thinking that it was so bad it's good. I went into this movie. I left this movie thinking that was solid. That's a lot to say for sure, at least for me. But I think, you know what? I think that's going to do it for this one, folks. Thanks for uh, listening to another fine installment of Two Nerds in a Podcast. Be sure to follow the show on uh, Instagram at TNAPCast. That's T N A A. P-C-A-S-T. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, like and comment on our videos, and leave comments to give us further suggestions. And we're currently only on Spotify and Apple for your listening ears. So, in the meantime, folks, be sure to be careful what you're stepping into, water-wise, if, if there's sharks around. And, uh, yes, that's going to do it for another fine installment of Two Nerdskies in a Podcast. Uh, I'm Eric. And I am Jif. <laughs> Indeed he is. Stay shiny, everybody. Have a good one. Next level. Next level.